0: in Ephesians chapter 4, and if you haven't been with us, we've been going through the <clears throat> book of Ephesians and took a break the last two weeks, and today we're going to look at this call to walk in holiness. If I took you outside here and, and over to the grass area, and I gave you a shovel, and I said, hey, I want you to dig right here, if you dig right here, you're going to find that there is a treasure chest full of all kinds of valuable things that you need. And uh, uh, and I gave you a shovel and told you to dig. What would you do? Hopefully you would dig. Uh, you take that shovel and start breaking through the grass and digging into the dirt and going down there and you're like digging along. And you're like, oh, this is kind of tough. This is a little bit hard. And you, you kind of get there and hit a rock there. And then all this, uh, chink. You're like, what is that? You dig it out? It's like gold nugget. You're like, awesome. I've got some gold here. And uh, I'm like, what? Well, wait, the treasure chest, pick up your shovel. You're like, oh, okay, all right. And you're digging some more, and you're digging, and it's getting tough, and you're sweating now. You're like, but you got that gold nugget, that chink. It's like, this time you're digging you're like, big old diamond. You're like, man, that is good. All This is awesome. And I'm like, no, wait, keep digging. There's a treasure chest. But you're like, no, I'm good. I got my gold, and I got my diamond. I, I'm, I'm done. This is tough stuff. And I was thinking about that this week in regards to... Um, we, as people, uh, especially Christians, have been given a treasure chest of God's Word. We've been given a treasure set before us where God say, Hey, dig here for the treasure that I have for you. And sometimes we settle for that gold nugget. Hey, I love the cross. Jesus died for me. And you set the shovel to the side and do nothing else. Or you dig a little bit farther and you get that diamond. It's like, oh, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Great. But I think a temptation is for the believer to stop digging into the truth and the treasure that God has set for us. And so I tell you today, and as we look at the weeks to come at the rest of Ephesians, there's practical things for living here, and there are treasures. And I'm praying that we would take hold of that. And so this morning, as we look at this aspect of walking in holiness, I wonder if you've asked this question of yourself recently, or think this. It feels like I'm struggling with sin so much that it's ruling my life every single day. Or maybe you have thought about yourself and who you are and your identity and you feel down on yourself or you feel bad or you just have a wrong view of who you are. And what I would argue with you this morning regarding Scripture is that to walk in holiness, you have to have correct thinking. You have to have right thinking to walk in holiness. Therefore, the big idea this morning is walking in holiness requires renewing your mind daily. I'm going to read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 verse through 32. And here's what Paul writes. Now this I say and testify in the Lord Father, we ask that in this moment together as we spend time in your word that you would help us to learn and grow in walking in holiness, that we would be people that are seeking after the treasure that you have set before us, which is your word, and that we would continue to dig and continue to dig and continue to learn and grow and apply. Father, for any who are here who are walking in darkness, we pray that they would come to Jesus and come into the light, and today that they would come to faith in you. We ask a blessing on the preaching and the reading of the word, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, if you're following along in the outline, one of the things that we're going to look at is how not to walk and how we should walk. Now, if you're working at a job, uh, you may be trained on how to do something, but you really want to know what not to do so you don't get fired. Well, here Paul says, don't walk this way. And then he says, I want you to walk this way. So let's look at this in verses 17 through 19. The first point, he talks about how not to walk. And I want us to look at verse 17 through 18. And he tells us about our old nature. If you're a believer in here, this will be something that you uh, hopefully begin to understand uh, because he's writing to Christians here. Uh, and, and, and even though if you're not a Christian, uh, God's called you here and speaking to you this morning. But for the Christian, this is important if you want to walk in holiness. So in verse 17 and 18, we see our old nature. Uh, he says in verse 17, don't walk like the Gentiles. Now, that may sound strange for them because many of those believers in the church in Ephesus were Gentiles. But what he was speaking of was the lifestyle that they were living before they came to Christ, the Jew and the Gentile. And so this morning, I brought with me this black shirt that I'm just going to put on to help us think about our old nature to think about the fact that when we were born into this world, we had a certain nature that was not of God. It was a sinful nature. It goes all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. That sin was imputed, in a sense, brought down uh, from each person to every one of us, and we live in a state of this old nature apart from Jesus Christ working in us. And so if you look at verse 17, he addresses the mind. And this is what he points out through this text, uh, is this aspect of the need for our minds to be renewed, to walk in holiness. And so here he says, hey, don't be like the Gentiles, don't be like you were before Christ, where you had this futility of your mind, in the sense that uh, it means to have this emptiness uh, of a thinking ability, uh, that this pointless thinking is really the part of the person before Christ But what happens is when we come to Christ, Christ changes that in us and we can think differently. But think about your life, how sin has so affected you, has affected our world, and has so corrupted us. One, it affects our mind that before Christ changing us, that our old nature affects how we reason. That the old, our old self, the sin, affects even our physical body. This last week, I was riding the bike on Wednesday. I'm like, why is my knee hurting? I'm not even 45 yet. Uh, but sin has corrupted our physical bodies. Our bodies are breaking down. We will have a glorified body one day when we are with Jesus. But have you ever thought about the fact that sin has corrupted your ability to love? To love God and to love other people. That you don't love God apart from having your life changed. And so he says in verse 18, here's the picture of you, of me, our old nature before Christ. It says they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are spiritually blind. We do not see Jesus. We see Darkness. We live in darkness and we do not live in the light. And so we have not only this darkness in our understanding, and some of you wonder why, when I tell people about the love of Jesus, they just don't get it. I tell them that Jesus died for them on the cross and they don't get it. I've brought them to church with me for years and they just don't get it. Well, it's because their mind is darkened because of sin. They're not going to get it. They're not going to see it until the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to them. And they're like, ah, there it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this about people who can't see the gospel. It says in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And in in their case, the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. Satan. It says, in their case, Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so the result is, as he says in uh, verse 18, because we live in darkness... We then act ignorantly and do things that would be different once we come to Christ. And it says in verse 18, the reason for our ignorance. What's it say in verse 18? Is due to what? Verse 18. The hardness of our hearts. You ever run into someone, they've got a hard heart. You're like, man, that person has got a hard heart. Well, every single one of us had a very hard heart before Christ came into our life and in verse 19 it tells us a picture of that verse 19 it says they become callous now uh, uh, if you came up and you were looking at the fingers on my left hand or maybe Trissas and she plays guitar as well you get calluses after playing and after practicing to the point that I can touch really hot things with the left hand Fingers, and I could not feel it as much as the right hand, or maybe something that's sharp or something that's cold, and you get this callousness or this insensitivity, and that's the picture of you. Towards God before Christ comes in your life, you do not see what God's doing. You're not sensitive at all to what God's doing in that person's life or doing in this person's life. You just don't see it. You live in blindness and you live in darkness. And so it says that they have their hearts are are hard and they become callous. In verse nineteen, all we ever wanted before Christ is to be sinful and we're greedy about it, and we're good at sinning, and we're good at it because we like it, and we want it, and it's this picture of just this this greed to practice every type of sin thinkable. Some of you go, well, man, I was not that bad. I didn't murder anyone, but yet Jesus says, if you hate someone, it's the same as murder, and so we try to categorize sins and things in our world, and that's moral, and that's not whatever. The reality with Scripture that every one of us in our old nature have hard hearts, darkened in our minds spiritually, and we're callous towards God. The great thing is this, if you're a Christian in a room, you once lived that way, but you don't live like that now. You once had that old nature, but you don't have that now. And if you're here and you're not a believer today, I believe God's calling out to you and saying, hey, come out of the darkness into the light In which Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, "'I am the light of the world. "'Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, "'but have the light of life.'" People who are not Christians are walking around in this world in darkness, in this spiritual type of fog, and they do not see. And it takes Jesus to bring them out of the darkness into the light. And if you are a Christian, you can say, Thank you, Jesus. And if you're not, today's the day that you need to know that Jesus Christ died on a cross in your place for your sins that he bore your sins on the cross and that he was buried there and he three days later rose from death to life he's ascended to heaven he's returning and he says if you believe in me you will be saved and so if you're living in darkness God is calling you out of the darkness into the light believe in him and be saved today but that's a picture of the old nature The old nature that we are born with, that we have from the moment that we are created. And he says, hey, don't walk in that old, you don't have that old nature anymore. And then in verse um, uh, 19, he describes that old lifestyle. But then he is urging them, saying, hey, that's the old way. Now, I want you to walk differently. Look at verse 20 through 32. This is the second thing. It says, how to walk. He says, Don't walk this way. Now I want you to walk this way. And specifically, he says, Walk in holiness. And the first thing he describes in verses 20 and 24 through 24 is the new nature. That in Christ we have a new nature. And specifically, in verse 20 and 21, he says that that's salvation. It's belief in Jesus Christ, it's faith. Look at verse 20. If you didn't know this, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this church five or six years after he was with them for quite a period of time. He was with them for a few years where he taught them the truth of God. People came to faith. They were changed. And now he's saying, hey, wait a minute. What's going on? You're living like you didn't, you forgot what I taught you and what you learned. And so verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus He's like, those of you who are in Christ, Christians, you know the truth. And the truth has everything to do about who you are in Christ. And this is that part where I think today, probably the most important, one of the most important things for you, if you're a believer, you need to get this today. Because it has everything to do with walking in holiness and the other things that he speaks of in in to come, uh, in walking in different ways. But I brought this white shirt to represent the new nature. That you need to know that in Christ you have a new nature. The old nature is gone. It's actually dead. It's it's gone. It's, it's, It's away from us. Christ has done a work. And what happens is that Jesus Christ, when you come to faith, he gives you his righteousness. And so what happens is God the Father, when he sees you, he sees a son or a daughter with no sin just like Jesus Christ. And I believe that this is one of the greatest challenges for you if you're a Christian, is you so easily forget this because you listen to the world, you listen to Satan, you listen to the attacks of things, and what happens, you struggle and battle daily with sinning and forgetting the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ and your new nature. And so what happens, you struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle in the areas of sin and not realize who you are, and it's because of your mind. And your understanding. And some of it's a lack of digging into the truth of God's word and continuing to let that work in your life. And so the truth is, as a Christian, you've been forgiven. The grace of God has been poured out upon you. And you have the righteousness of Christ. And God sees you as a child of his without sin. At the same time, there's nothing that I can find in scripture that says that you no longer sin. Every Christian continues to battle with sin until the day that we're with the Lord Jesus Christ face to face and we're given a new glorified body. But if you have a, get this, if you have a wrong, distorted view of Jesus and who you are in Jesus, you're going to live that out. If you have a correct and a healthy view of Jesus and who you are in Jesus, you're going to walk in holiness, you're going to see victory over sin. Go read Ephesians chapter 6 this week. We'll come to you in a few weeks in regards to uh, the battle that goes on in the life of the believer. It's a spiritual battle to walk in holiness and to live in sin. 1 John chapter 5 verse 20 says this, And we know that the Son of God... Has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus, He is the true God and eternal life. Here's what I want you to understand is that if you're saved, You're saved and you are in Christ. Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, dwells in you. You are a new person. You have a new nature. You have a new identity. And you're called to walk in a new lifestyle. But this is so important. You must become a person who studies Jesus. You must study Jesus. And that's the part when I was talking about digging for treasure and we stop Studying is hard work. And reading God's word is a tough thing. And there's a battle that goes on with our old self that's dead and the new nature and the new lifestyle. And it's a battle that's very real. But if we continue to grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ, then we can do what he says in verse 22 through 24. Look at what Paul calls people to do. He says in verse 22, he says, put off something. What's he say to put off? Put off the What? The old self, again, the old nature—what you were born with—he says to put it off. And you're like, well, "Wait a minute! I thought I'm clothed in righteousness. Why? Why do I have to put it off again?" It's because it's one of those things that we uh, battle with daily as we see the old self, and it's like, "Ah, oh, I just want to look at it today." Because it was comforting, I enjoyed that. And it's like, man, we spend some time, and it's like, well, here's God's truth, and you, okay, but hey, that looks good over there. And it's like, man, it's okay if I just touch it, you know. We still struggle with sin, you know. But then it's like at that point where you have the righteousness of Christ in your daily battle, you're like, man, if I just put my arm in, I'm okay. You know, I'm forgiven. And it's like, and then later on, you're like, you're looking, you're like, man, I feel so horrible. God, you hate me. You don't love me. And we begin to believe these lies when he's called us to walk in holiness. He's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can put off the old. But it's a constant battle for the believer until the day we're with him in all of his glory. Good news is we can have victory over sin. Good news is we can grow As a Christian, if we're growing, you can look back five, maybe two, three, five, ten years ago, 15 years ago, and sin that you were involved with as a believer that you struggled with is now gone. Now, maybe you have another area that you're dealing with, but that's gone. You can say, wow, God gave me victory in that. And it's probably because you spent time in God's Word and 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 began to apply those things in your life, and God used that to grow you. But the great news is that the former life is old; it's gone. Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six, verses six and seven says this: it says we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So here's what Paul is writing there. Last week we gathered for Easter and we had Good Friday service. We thought about the cross. Jesus died on the cross for us. He bore our sins but then he rose back to life Well, what Paul writes to the church is he says, when you came to faith in Christ, you died with Christ. When he died and was placed in the tomb, your old self died. So when Jesus Christ raised to life and you place your faith in him, you're raised in newness of life. You have a new nature and you're called to a new lifestyle. And because of that, you've been set free from sin. Because the old lifestyle was almost like uh, you see those uh, jackets that you can't get out of and it's all buttoned up and tight it's like because you're enslaved but you've been set free just like the nation of Israel was in slavery to Egypt and to Pharaoh and God brought them out when Jesus Christ saves you he brings you out of slavery that sin that controlled you and you've been set free from that and you're given the righteousness of Christ verse 23 though in our text look at this you need a Highlight, underline, circle. You need to print this out, put this everywhere this week, wherever you go, and just reflect on this. It says in to be what in verse 23. What's the key word there? renewed, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There's a renewal of your mind that takes place when you come to faith, and it continues this process we talk about every week called sanctification, meaning we're not there yet. You think of a tree growing, uh, I mean, from a seedling growing into a huge tree. That's the picture of spiritual growth. That's what sanctification is is and this renewing of the minds is a part of that process and so what God does is this God's job if you want to use that term is it is to renew your mind God renews your mind and he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word but our job is as he renews our mind is to put it into practice And so one of the things we need to do is we need to spend time in God's Word so that He then renews our mind and we can walk in holiness and put that in practice. When I played basketball in high school and college, we shot thousands of free throws. I do not like shooting free throws. I'd rather dunk the ball, shoot a three-pointer, whatever, a jump shot, whatever. I just didn't like free throws. But free throws will win a game for you. I also didn't like, when I was in college, we didn't have a gym at our college, and so we went across the street to Cal State Fullerton at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I don't like 5 o'clock in the morning. And practice started at 5, so you had to get up before that time. But we would practice because if we didn't practice, we would play horrible, and so we needed to do those things. And so we need to put to practice every single day, spending it in God's Word, Speaking to him, listening to him, praying, calling out to him, being in fellowship with other believers. We need to practice those things so that our mind is renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 speaks of this. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Now listen to this, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How many of you want to know what God's will is? Man, I'll put both hands up on that. I want to know what God's will is. Here's the thing, though. is so many times we want to know what God's will is for, do I take this job or not? Do I sell this card? Do I pay that bill? What's God's will? Do I go on this vacation? Do I do that? And it's like, no, we've got the wrong view here. God has given us his will. It's the word of God. Now, can God guide us in daily decisions? Of course he can. But God's will is here. I get so, I'm sorry, sick of Christian gatherings and groups when they say, we're going to seek the will of God. But they're really talking about whether they should study for a test or do this or that. No, God's will is here. We need to study God's will so the Holy Spirit renews our mind. It's like, oh, that is the will of God. And God's will will shape how you pray, how you walk, how you live, how you love God and love other people. But we need to spend time in the Word of God that God would use it to renew our mind. It says in verse 24 of the text that we're looking at here, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Do you know the story? Many people uh, I run into, even that are not Christians, know the story of the prodigal son. The, you know, the guy gets his uh, money from his dad, he runs off, and as his, his brother describes, oh, he spent it in wild living, and there's a day that he's lost everything, and he's hungry, and the, you know, feeding the pigs, and he wants to eat the pig food, and he's like, I'm going back to dad. I'll just be one of his servants, and so it's like this picture of him coming home, and he's got like the the filth of the world upon him, you know, it's like the Father sees him and runs to him, and in Luke chapter five verse twenty-two, he's like yelling out to the servants, he's like, uh, he's like, hey, bring the best robe in the house and put it on him. You know, grab our family ring and put that on him, and put some shoes on his feet. And it's like, why? Well, he's got covered, and it's like, no, it's like the father's like, no. The, you know, he's like, you're family. And that's that picture of where Paul says, put on the new self, put off the old, put on the righteousness of Christ, live as a child of God who knows the truth that you've been forgiven and set free from sin. And you're not perfect yet, but God's working on you. And he will return and you'll be with him for all eternity in the glory of God. an Amazing, wonderful truth But yet, that's a truth that Satan attacks every one of you if you're a believer to forget. Only think about the old self and oh, what was me? I sinned again. Wrong wrong thinking will get you into trouble. Wrong thinking about the truth of God will continue to uh, keep you in a battle with sin. Well, I know that some of you may We're hoping that we wouldn't get to verses 25 through 32 because uh, it has some specifics for us. It's like, hey, that's good stuff. Let's skip over it. We'll read the rest later. But 25 through 32 is our new lifestyle. This is, if we're going to walk in holiness and we have a new nature of righteousness, we are now then to walk in holiness. And so if you look at verses 25 through 32, there's some specific things about a new lifestyle speak the truth Uh, be angry do not sin do not steal uh, watch your mouth all these things and you go man don't talk about that stuff because I'd rather us just talk about the righteousness of God it's like no we struggle with this Christians struggle with this and so he says in verse 25 speak the truth he says stop lying and so for some people whether it's little white lies or or just a compulsive sin that you're struggling with he says as believers, he says as Christians, you have a new nature. Your new lifestyle then is not to lie. Satan's the great liar. He's the liar of all liars. We're not to follow in his footsteps, but we're to follow in Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. Speak truth to one another. Actually, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Paul writes to that church, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. There it is again. Growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ helps us to put off the old and put on the new and to battle against the temptation to lie. He says, be angry, do not sin. And and again, some of you, man, let's not talk about anger because I get angry. You can ask my family. I've gotten angry before. And anger is not good. And at times though, it feels good to be angry though, right? That person, that idiot, that guy cut me off. You know, it's like you get this anger inside of you. But what Paul's saying here is that you have a new nature, a new life. And so he says, do, he says be angry and don't sin. You're like, ah, that, I don't see that. I, ang- I get angry. I sin. How do you separate those two? It says, don't let... The what go down on your anger? Sunset. I'm like, I thought about, man, how many times have I gone to bed over my lifetime angry with someone for something? It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, so you have to ask the question, is anger bad is the question you have to ask. And, well, when we read the Gospels, Jesus got angry, but he never sinned. And he had anger over things that were sinful and he never responded in sin. Mark chapter 3 is one of those where Jesus is in anger over sin that's happening and he responds. I was at a pastor uh, pastor's breakfast at an event a month or two ago. And a man that was sharing was working with the ministry and working with authorities. And he was angry because of the sex slave trade happening not only in our nation and our world, but here in our city. And as he describes some of the things, there's like an anger that begins to well up inside you. That's a good anger to have. Because Jesus was angry with sin. But if it's like the two guys I saw yelling through the window at each other on reserve because of bad driving, man, that's a different type of anger. Be angry and do not sin. Don't be consumed by your anger because if you do, you give Satan an opportunity to just distract you for a while, to spend some time in the old nature and in the old lifestyle. But he says, don't steal. If you have a problem with stealing, uh, you might say, I, I, didn't, I haven't stealed anything since I was a kid. Our family we were talking about some stuff, and I, I, as a kid, I remember my dad having to take me back to a grocery store because I don't remember if I stole it or not or what, but uh, I, I had a bunch of these army men, and my mom's like, where'd you get those and, at the store? and I, Anyways, so wait till your dad gets home. So my dad takes me back, and hey, he stole these, whatever. But you know, we may think of it in that way, and some of you go, I don't steal. But do you steal from your, in, your, your, your boss? You're like, well, I don't steal any money. I don't have... A... No, do you steal ours? Do you steal? I remember working at one place where guys stole uh, equipment because there was a way to get to that thing. Do you steal certain things from other people? He was just, don't steal. Instead, work hard. Work honestly. And it says, actually, do that so that you can share with someone else in need. And then he says, watch your mouth. Any of you know what I mean when you got the ivory bar as a kid? I can still remember my mom holding me like this over the sink, taking the ivory bar. That's the worst one because it sticks to your teeth. And she's like washing my mouth out with soap. And then she got my sister next because we were saying things that were not right. It says, watch your mouth. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk, which means rotten, foul, putrid, or like smelling like rotten fish or rotten meat. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is as good for building up as it is. Fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I find that sometimes some of these things that he says don't do run together the anger and the corrupting talk and the abusive speech and all those things will run together at times. But it's not just the words you say. Really, he's like, hey, we got to get at the heart of this because Jesus says in Matthew 15, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles the person, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So when we spew these things out, there's parts of our heart that need to be renewed in God working on us. And then he says in verse 30, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we do any of these things as a believer, because we're being disobedient to what he's called us to do. He reminds us right there, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But we, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we are disobedient to God. And lastly, in verse 31 and 32, he, he has a list. Bitterness, which is really like having cancer in your body. It's like, hey, I'm not going to forgive anyone. I'm going to hold on to that all my life. Wrath and anger talks about a, an angry, violent, boiling anger. It says clamor or, or this shouting abusive speech. When was the last time you chewed someone out? You know, slander, uh, blasphemy, or or this verbal abuse of someone. Uh, and it says, with all malice, meaning general evil. Are those things a part of your life that you're dealing with? And if you're a Christian, that's a part of your old life. It's not your new life. It's your old self. It's not your new self. But we need God's truth to work on us to get rid of the old self, to to hate that sin, and to move from that. Because 32, we close with this. It says... Here's how you walk in holiness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Look to the cross of Jesus. And when that happens, I believe that we then can forgive others. We then can treat other people rightly. We then can love other people that we get distracted or just not possible to do. And we are living in that old life. So here's the question. Some of you may say, I'm reading this stuff. I need to walk in holiness, but how can I do that? Um, I'll tell you this you can't do it. You're like, wait a minute. You just told us we could. No, you can't. Not one of us can walk in holiness apart from God empowering us to do so. You can strive all you want, you can set up all kinds of things to break bad habits, and you're going to fall into the same trap over and over and over and over again. You're going to deal with the same sins for years and years and years. If you just think, oh, I got a plan. I'm going to do this. No, it's the power of God. God's truth and the relationship with Him. God will renew your mind. You need to spend time knowing Him. You need to dig deep for the truth of God's Word and He will apply it in your life. As the worship team comes forward and we close Um, in song praising him um, it's a good thing if you're experiencing remorse over your sin if you're dealing daily with feeling bad over the sin in your life good that's a good thing that's the Holy Spirit working on your heart pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see that to know God's truth and know how to put that sin to death Repentance is something that's not just once, but something that daily we need to do. And again, as I mentioned earlier, if you're here and you have not walked in the light of Christ, today Christ is calling you to believe in Him, to uh, live in the light of Christ, to believe that He died on a cross in your place for your sins, that He rose again, and that if you believe in Him, that you will be saved. I was praying between... The early service in this service, don't know why, but specifically was praying that you, if you're a Christian, would be reminded that you have the righteousness of Christ. And I was just feeling like I need to pray because there's people struggling and battling with sin and they need to be reminded that God loves them and he's forgiven them and that holy living is something that we can accomplish in our life with the power of God. Father I pray that as we sing to you that we would lift our voices in great thanksgiving for what you've done to make us new to put the old self to death and to give us a future home and inheritance of Jesus Christ. Father May we confess our sins to you. May you help us repent of sin in our life. And may you help us to walk in a holy way so that the world would see Christ in us. In Jesus' name.